backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio begins now. Hear the best in new music, artist interviews, stories from the road, and more. You are now backstage, and here's your host, Mothership. Hi, everybody. My guest today is Les Carlson, the vocalist for the band Blood Good. A couple of days after I recorded this interview, Michael, the founder of the band, passed away after fighting back from a stroke and a bout with COVID. I reconnected with Les a couple of days later, and we decided just to keep the interview as is. But stick around to hear a message to the fans from Les at the end of the call. I have Les Carlson from Blood Good. And you have a solo project, too. We'll talk about that. Okay. Blood Good has a unique blend of music and message. Can you tell me a little bit about the style? You know, you said it. We do have a little bit of a variable in, in what we do. Um, originally, we were a heavy metal band, kind of a speed metal band. But as writers, we've always said, look, let's just write from the heart and whatever comes from that and we'll just do we'll craft the song around that so you can you get sort of a you don't just get one sort of a style or sound you get different songs and each song is like a little baby we got to raise them up (laughs) (laughs) well instead of tediously going back through the last 40 years (laughs) uh, i wanted to ask you why did you feel led to be part of blood good and how did that happen for you yeah so um okay that's really good because I, I've got an answer and it's a personal answer because when I got saved, I really didn't care to ever perform, pick up a microphone or do anything because I was so just amazed by what Jesus had done in my life and more so who he is in reality. And uh, But I'd had this theatrical background and I'd been in rock and roll all my life and I just wanted to... I wanted to do something that would serve God. Now, at first, I didn't really realize that that was the case. So I cut my hair and I got a job as a roofer. <laughs> and <laughs> I was up at seven in the morning and Joyce was making my lunch and stuff. But I, you know, my pastor said to me, hey, uh, you know, God could use you in music. You have gifts. And, and so I started to really pray about that. And I felt that uh, that could be, you know, something that I would do. Well, My son at the time was 18 years old, and he had a heavy metal collection. He was really into hard rock, heavy metal, and I had never really looked at the albums before. And then after I'd gotten born again, I looked at the albums, and my eyes were open. I was going, oh, my gosh, this is demonic stuff, at least the symbols. The symbolism was demonic and just crazy. So I, I just felt that God wanted me to put together a band where I sang everything about Jesus and I used my theatrics and I just kind of proclaimed the gospel that way. So my son was truly the inspiration. And then, of course, Michael had his calling and we kind of came together. And, and you know, for the blood good history, you can watch Trenches of Rock film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that I think it's Paul Michael. Sums it up did an amazing job yeah i mean so it's it's an amazing uh documentary film and it really tells the story but that was my motivation my my son he said dad it's nice you got saved but what am i supposed to do now <laughs> who am i going to listen to you know? <laughs> and 
and I think Petra was out, and but Petra, that was not really the kind of metal that he wanted. Anyway, so, you know, Michael and I got together with David and, and um, JT in the beginning. And I mean, I'm just cutting to the chase on this, mm. but yeah. the very first gig that we had was opening for Striper. And uh, the first gig was in Bellingham on a Friday night. There was about 350 kids there. Uh, and the next night was the Paramount in Seattle, and it was packed, totally packed. I don't know, 1500. Time Magazine was there. Um, this it was a phenomenon. It was newsworthy. There were these heavy metal guys singing about Jesus, so everybody wanted to hear about that. So anyway, that night my son Jeff gave his heart to the Lord, and Timmy Gaines led him to the Lord that night mm-hmm. after the concert. So that was accomplished right away. And then Bloodgood went on to tour and do several other albums and just evangelizing. We, we ended up going to Europe quite often, going to Germany mm-hmm. quite often and touring in Germany, Sweden, Norway, Denmark. And um, when we were there, we were just treated like any other band. It wasn't like you were a Christian band. You know, you were just a band. And in America, that was different. If you're doing Christian music and singing about uh, Jesus, you're not going to get on the radio um, it was even hard to get into the magazines and that sort of thing. But in Europe, way to go, Europe. A little more open-minded to, to the arts, I would think, and to people's uh, philosophies and their beliefs. So that was great. And then, as I was driving down here thinking about this interview, and I, this is a bit personal in the sense that my son got saved. And the very last album that Bloodgood did, Dangerously Close, in 2013, my son passed away. So he kind of bookends, you know, the blood good history. And I'm not saying that there won't be another blood good album. It stopped for a time, which leads me to the Les Carlson project. And the reason I'm doing that is because I just cannot sit around and not do anything. I'm called to do this. There's nothing better than to have a microphone in your hand and a platform and be able to talk about your Heavenly Father publicly and have people actually want to hear it. And the ones that don't want to hear it are just because they're they're running from him and they generally don't even get out of the building before they have a change of heart. Because the truth is, Jesus is real and everybody's got to know him. I'm very invested in, in that. I mean, I put all my eggs in one basket. And that is in Jesus. I don't do that with everything. I don't do that in business. I don't do that in in a lot of things. But when it comes to my faith in God, I totally trust that Jesus paid the price and uh, died on a cross, rose from the dead, paid for the sins of the world. So I'm in. You're all in. I'm all in. There's no other choices. God is doing a new thing, right? Yes, he is. Always. Yeah, he does. I mean, yeah, it's like he can't stop either. He's just like, go, 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 go got good things for everybody and he's got a lot of pruning to do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in each one of us and a lot of uh, his job is to perfect us and be christ-like so in some cases that's a lot of work getting back to kind of the early years of blood good you know it was tough for you guys back at the beginning except maybe in europe the church didn't know what to do with you yeah they didn't know what to do with us they picketed our shows and they said we were of the devil and you know, I was like, really? I can't believe that you're saying that. I- I'm so excited about what has happened in my life and about the reality of Christ. And I'm doing this for a reason that I know I've been called to do. So, yeah, but we took a lot of criticism there. And we went to this one town in the South that 
when we got there, the um, Christians were fasting and praying that we wouldn't come to town. And the Satanists were fasting and praying that we wouldn't come to town because they knew that we had a message that the kids needed to hear. And they were not wanting us to get it out there. And when we were in Amsterdam, we were threatened to be pelted with bricks. And and in Russia, there was a spontaneous plot to beat us with clubs. And But God uh, protected us every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it started in, what, 84, something like that, 1984? Yeah, 84, 84. So the 2000s, is there a difference in the way the church treats you now or the, or the uh, general market even treats you now? Yeah, because... I mean, it's just been a span of time, of course. So a lot of the young ones that were in church are involved in that. Um, they're grown up now, you know, they're 40, 50, you know, 60 yeah. years old. And uh, actually, I've had so many letters from young men that became pastors as a result of not just blood good, but the entire movement that God was doing. It truly was um, a time where Striper and Baron Cross and Bloodgood and Leviticus and Jerusalem and White Cross and Saint, all these groups were kind of called at the same time. And then there were others that just kind of jumped on and went, hey, that's a good thing to do, you know. But there was there was a, a calling, I think, throughout the entire planet at one point in time, because God had this wave and picked up a lot of young metal mm-hmm. boys and girls. Backstage with Mothership returns after this. Out Performance Shop is a proud supporter of Solid Rock Radio. They specialize in retail and wholesale of automotive high-performance racing and off-road products. They also carry a variety of accessories from remote control cars to rock and roller multi-carts. On the web at outperformance.com. I uh, saw a quote from a Christian uh, music critic, uh, Brian Quincy Newcomb, said uh, that Blood Goods Ministry and Music was a vital stepping stone in the maturing process of Christian rock. Wow, that's that's good to hear. <laughs> and in 2010, you were inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame. Yes. What was that experience like? Well, it was pretty amazing to to get that kind of recognition, especially after what we had gone through in the early years. Then you know, to be then kind of lifted up and sense that hey, you guys were valid. And so that was really, that was nice. It was great. It's always good to get an award, you know, for for doing something, especially in the Christian Music Hall of Fame. But um, that night there were other people there. I know that um, Randy Stonehill was there. What an honor to be next to Randy Stonehill. Legend. Yeah. I mean, wow. And um, it was it was a great, great evening and a great time for the Bloodgood family. Do you find it's a little easier now or do you still have pushback? No, actually, I think that that has changed quite a bit. But then you have um, a lot of the, the churches now, they, they kind of switched off into sort of a, a different kind of vibe. I don't know what to call it, but it's like flannel shirts and tight jeans. <laughs> and that's been going for a few years, and it's kind of been sticking there for a while. And, uh, you know, all the church bands and the big mega churches, they've got the in-ears and and that, that worship band has become really a very intricate part of mm-hmm. Sunday morning. And I think that's amazing. I mean, I think worship is extremely important. And even back in the Old Testament, uh, during a, a war, they'd send the singers out first. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, worshiping God in any form is great. So, But I would say, yes, the church has gotten a lot more open 
to sincerity in Christ, no matter what your genre is, because we need that. I think that's an excellent way to put that. How have the social issues changed over the years? You know, when you're dealing with people one on one. You know, I think people have had the same issues since the beginning. People have always been the same. But it's been amazing as to the kinds of things that have been put before us and what we've had to deal with. And it's, I mean, some of the stuff is really extreme. The, the answer is always the same. It's mm-hmm. always, hey, you either believe in Jesus or you don't. So you've made a choice and you got to make that choice. There was a young man that came up to me um, in the early days and he was so moved by the show and everything. I took him aside and I said, well, so what's up with you, guy? He says, I can't be saved. And I said, well, yes, no, you can be saved. And he says, no, I cannot. I cannot. I I came across this guy who was raping a girl in the park and I took a hammer and I hit him in the back of the head and I killed him. And I said, you know what? I don't know about that. I don't know about that in regards to the law in this world. I mean, if you get caught or you turn yourself in, that's that's the way the world functions. But as far as your forgiveness, you ask Jesus into your heart. He will forgive you and you'll be brought into the kingdom of God eventually. First here and then there. And it blew his mind and he gave his heart to the Lord. And I don't know what happened to him after that. I don't know. Maybe God moved on him to go in and give himself up or I don't know. Everybody's in need. You know, we're made that way. We were made and designed to worship God. And so there's always going to be something empty in you if you're not knowing God. And no matter how well you do and how good you look and how much money you got and all that, none of that matters on the day of judgment. So it's the same message always. Even as things change, it always gets down to the bottom line that that's the way, the truth. You feel like you were called early on to the mission field of metal music. Well, yeah, initially, that's what I was involved in. But I also have done other things. You know, I I owned an art company for 20 years after Blood Goods stopped playing for a while and we raised our children. And I ended up just sharing my heart to the people I worked with. And uh, I was doing door to door sales. That's what I did because I'd been a rock and roller all my life. I didn't know what else to do, you know big high school degree here. And so I was doing door-to-door selling artwork, and I got so good at it that I got my own company, and then I had a crew of people that worked with me. And so I was able to share who I was in in that. And several of them got saved. We're all in the mission field all the time, right? All the time, yeah. And it's not, (laughs) yeah, I mean, blood good. Whoa, I wish I could do that. Well, why don't you just be nice and clerk? You know, we all have the opportunity if we're willing to do it. Well, speaking of being on mission, I've noticed how much your lovely wife is so supportive. I don't think you could do it without her, could you? Oh, I don't think so. I I know for a fact. I'm not designed like her in the sense that she sees the whole picture when it comes to promoting. And she was the road manager for Bloodgood from day one. Mm-hmm. And she planned everything, everything in order for us. And she also is a great singer, uh, talented actress and songwriter. And we met in, in the early 70s in the Broadway musical Hair. That's where I met Joyce. And we've been oh. together for over 50 years, married 48. And we've been together for 51 years. I think that God strategically put us together. Um, Joyce and I used to perform together after here. We had uh, we, three albums out, and uh, it was just before we got saved 
that we were on the brink of signing a record deal with a, with a major promotion company called ICE that promoted in all the radio stations. And they had just signed us, and Joyce and I were going to do some stuff. And that company that we signed with got busted by the FBI. And then, of course, you know, it didn't happen, so we were disappointed. But uh, maybe a year or two later, we ended up getting saved. So we understand that, hey, without without that change of life, I don't know that we'd even be together. And now here she is running my social media. Wow. What do you have left on your bucket list? Wow. That's a good question, Cindy. Um it's amazing. I'm so like right now. I'm so absorbed in the in the music that I am doing. So we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I really love making music. I've got logic and stuff, and I and so that's that's really great. But aside from the music, I want to continue to be a mentor for my grandchildren. I've got five beautiful grandbabies, and I think it's extremely important that Grandpa and Grandma take the approach of like, hey, we're going to get you every time we can get you. We're going to just be with you and love you in a way that we weren't even wired to love when we were younger, you know, because grandparents are really vital. So being a grandpa, I want to be a great, wonderful grandpa and become a great grandpa as well. Um, I also would like to play a little bit of golf. I mean, I'm not that great, but I just enjoy getting out there and playing some golf. What else? I would like to to go to uh, Maui with Joyce and lay on a beach and also maybe write a book. I just have had those stirrings in my heart. And my story is, is almost like Forrest Gump. I mean, we don't have enough time, but I, I mean, being in hair in 1971, I mean, I did some crazy stuff and met some incredible people. And my life has been rather interesting. When I start to tell stories, you know, hanging out with Jim Morrison and hanging out with Mick Jagger and and meeting uh, Alice Cooper and I mean all that is like what? How did that happen? I don't know. It just did. All that stuff happened to me. And there's just so many stories. And at my age, it's funny. It seems to me like almost everything in the timeline is starting to make sense in a weird way. And maybe that's what the book will do. I don't know. But I'm beginning to realize that life is each one of our stories. We each have a story. If it's told properly, it can be very inspiring. And it also can be a cautionary story for those that are about to enter areas that they shouldn't enter into and whatnot. But yeah, so doing a book would be cool. I don't Uh, know why you haven't started that. Yeah, I just did. And you got a lot of it live right there. There you go. Don't edit that. Okay. Oh, also, I was interviewed by, by Cindy Blankenship. I've been interviewed by her. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, come on. You know, honestly, what you do for us in this community is amazing. Oh, you're so. Sweet. You have one of the most iconic voices in Christian rock. How in the world, after all these decades, is it still strong? Yeah, I took vocal lessons from Maestro David Kyle in Seattle. You know, after I'd been in hair and after I'd even done albums and everything, but I was just, um, Joyce and I both went. I think we took lessons from him for four years. He was uh, Jeff Tate's teacher mm-hmm. and several other famous people. I think Ann Wilson went there with him. But he was just, he was really, really a magnificent human being. And he gave us sort of an insight into the voice and the power of the voice and how 
you should build that thing to serve you for the rest of your life and that there's no limits. You know, every note that you've ever had since you were a child is in there somewhere and there is a technique to find it. You know, I can hit some pretty high notes. Yes. And uh, so anyway, but like anything, you know, if you don't use it a lot, then it can get a little rusty. But overall, I've stayed busy enough to keep it going. And I just uh, thank you for that. John Schlitt of Petra, I've told him the same thing. His voice is still strong, too. And speaking of John, I think the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life was you two fighting over that uh, loud and proud Zoom call over who was the oldest. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm older. And he was shocked. He's like. Huh? That was the best thing ever. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a wonderful man. You're listening to Backstage with Mothership on Solid Rock Radio. Check us out on Facebook at I'm with Mothership. Now, tell me the latest about Bloodgood. Bloodgood was in the middle of, we were getting ready to do another album. So we had just done the BMI Center, and the next day, Michael and I went to the Ark Church, and we did an interview with uh, Pastor Ron Campbell, and Michael and I were invited to speak. And so we did, and we talked about blood good. And then the afternoon, we had lunch with the pastor and the staff. And then Joyce and I went home, and Michael and Marilyn stayed in in Ohio for a couple more days with with some friends. And then when we got back home, I found out that Michael had a stroke, so got back on a plane went back. But we were in the early stages of, of a blood good album and um, and then realized that that is on hold. So that's what happened there. Something else you've been working on is your own project, Les Carlson. Yeah. Tell us about that. Les Carlson project. Well, in this album that we were doing for blood good, I was writing so many songs. It was during the pandemic, and I picked up the guitar, and I had my DAW system, my Logic. And I was writing so many songs. I just was writing every kind of everything, hard rock, heavy metal. And I was learning how to play guitar, and I was so enthusiastic that um, it was like, slow down, Les, (laughs) because we want to write on this thing, too. So anyway, I had all these tunes. And so when this happened to Michael, um, I thought, well... There are some songs that I had written for the Blood Good album that I'm going to just take and do them now because by the time Blood Good does an album, then I, I will have written or brought other things. But these songs needed to happen now. So there will be some songs that were supposed to be Blood Good songs, but now they're mine. And I wrote, them. yeah, I mean, I had a, a collab song with uh, Oz Fox. Uh, and But I pursued Oz on this. Oz gave me some instrumental thing. and. And I I think we forgot about it for six months or whatever. And I pulled it out and I wrote this Judas is Dead and went over and met with Oz in Vegas. And we put it together. This is a couple of years ago, really. It was before the pandemic. And uh, so that's on there. Oh, my gosh. It's really amazing, too. I mean, it's it's just it's going to be, I think, well received. And it's right down my alley. It's very theatrical. It's got Judas. It's got Jesus and it's got Satan in it. It's about Judas killing himself, basically, and can't sleep at night and all this because he's thinking about what he did. It's pretty cool. And then Oz is just nailing it. Like, I mean, who else could do this but Oz Fox, right? So that's going to be on the album. And um, Jesus Freak Show and He's Coming and Paul Jackson and I wrote songs as well for the album. Mm -hmm. And then Craig Church and I wrote some songs for the album. And David Sphero does a solo on one of the songs. So I think it's going to be 
a lot of fun. This is the first album that I've done that is really, uh, I'm not really in collaboration with, you know, with a whole group of guys. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of have my way. Mm-hmm. Not that I have to have my way all the time, but when it comes to artistic, you know, choices, mm-hmm. I'd like to have my way a little more often. And in this case, I think I do. And so it's fun in that in that way. And then, you know, the people will decide, hey, do they love this or what? You know, spoiler, I got to hear two songs. He's coming. And is the other one called I Want to Know You? Yeah, I Want to Know You. Yeah. OK, they're going to love it. And as the kids say, they're bangers. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, this awesome. is going to be very successful. Are you going to have a pre-order? Um, yeah, eventually. We're going to be doing a Kickstarter here pretty soon. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we really we really wanted to be sensitive to what was happening with Michael. Yes. So we've been kind of laying as low as we can. But now it's, you know, it's time for us. We, we have to step up. And we didn't want to have a, a Kickstarter during Michael's gifts and go. We didn't want to compete with that. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to do that. And um, Joyce and I were talking about how that might come down and what we might be giving away. You know, there's a various list of things that you do. And everything's really pretty exciting. And again, this is the first time that we make the decisions. And mm-hmm. in the past, and I'm not negative about it. I'm just saying that when you have a group, then there's a process right, on direction and what songs are going to be here and there. Uh, Paul Jackson who is a co-writer with me on some some of the songs, um, also is kind of like a musical director. And him and I have worked together for years and years in Bloodgood as writers. And uh, we've just got a great relationship. And, and so Paul has been sort of in that role. Right now, we're, we're doing you know, all kinds of promotion. And whenever we can, we're doing We're starting to do Facebook Live. And, uh, you know, these days, it, it doesn't have to be as slick. It just has to be real and honest and not contrive. It's kind of great just to get on there and be spontaneous and say what's on your mind and on your heart. So we're looking for a Les Carlson single release on August 12th. He's coming. All streaming devices. All right. That's going to be so awesome. Do you have a time frame that you would like to have the whole project come out? Possibly November. Okay. It is well on its way. And uh, we've invested a lot in it. So are you accepting uh, bookings? Yes, if they're the right thing. Yes, okay. we are. And, and Cindy, I have a brand new website, too, that Joyce put together. It's lescarlsonmusic.com, and it's up now. Okay, well, we will put that link up with all your other links on the Solid Rock Radio website. How can we pray for Bloodgood, and how can we pray for Les Carlson? Well, blood good is contingent on Michael coming back because there's I'm not I don't want to do blood good without him and he doesn't want to do it without me so that's that's where that's at. Um, so we need to pray for Michael and I, what a glorious thing that would be for him and I to be back on stage with blood good doing the classics and doing doing the new stuff as well. So just keep praying for him and for his wife and his sons. I'm pretty simple, you know. I just I love to make music. I love I love it when God gives me inspiration and lyrics that are a little bit different than the norm that make sense to those people that, you know, just need to be reached in a different sort of way. That's what this Christian metal thing's all about. And that and just live a good, decent life, stay healthy and and be kind and to each other, and love each other and let people know how much you appreciate them. 
you know, my son was with me when I left for Germany and I came back and he wasn't here anymore. And Hey, that's life. But just remember, folks, if you love somebody, tell them. And the Bible, I'm paraphrasing, but the Bible says it's really better to to experience sorrow than it is to party. I mean, it's, you know, really, because that sorrow of losing somebody does something in you that really does bring life. And you understand how important it is that we do the right thing when it comes to the choice of following Christ or not following Christ. It's really an important decision that a lot of people don't even make, and it's too late. But it just seems like my life is starting to make sense. You're looking forward and you're going, wow, Lord, you've really seen this from beginning to, to end. And yeah, and now you're beginning to reveal it to us in a way that it's kind of exciting. Amen. Well, Les, I hope to see you out on the road one way or another very soon. Yeah. Love you you too. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Here's the message Les Carlson would like to share with the fans of Blood Good. It was recorded two days after Michael's passing. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for loving Michael and loving the band Blood Good and the way that you've supported us in prayer. I'm so appreciative for Michael's life, and I'm glad that all of you were a part of it. I love this family of Christ because we do support and love each other in a way that the world doesn't understand. So, again, I just thank you for your prayers. and We continue to lift up Jesus and also the legacy of Blood Good. Thank you and bless you wherever you are. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more great music and check out my blog page on the Solid Rock Radio website for my guests' social media links. If you've missed any of my past interviews, you can find them uploaded to podcast.solidrockradio.org. Have a wonderful week and let's be kind to one another.